I'm Dr. Robert Schertzer, Clinical Associate Professor, UBC Ophthalmology and Visual Sciences, and we're talking about glaucoma for the week ending April 3rd, 2009. Hi, today we're talking with Michael Coote, who is the Clinical Director of the Royal Victoria Eye and Ear Hospital and Consultant in the Glaucoma Division. And we're going to talk about the GON project, which is Glaucomatous Optic Neuropathy Evaluation Project, which really caught my attention because I have a background with a master's in education, which I had originally gone into because of a big interest in internet-based teaching. And uh, there you are doing that sort of thing. You so, should have told welcome. me that before the interview. That's right. Now I'm really going to nail you here. <laughs> so welcome. Thank you. And uh, can you... Tell our listeners more about the GONE project. It derived from work we did in the clinic, um, being clear that clinic environments are difficult places to teach and there's a lot of patients and feedback for our trainees was not often immediate or perhaps in detail enough for them to learn the skill of optic nerve evaluation as well as we'd hoped. So we developed first a PowerPoint presentation of, of discs optic discs of, of the area that gets affected by glaucoma and we found that seeing a lot of these discs in a row made people better if they just kept looking at certain characteristics and became systematic and methodical about how they how they reported them. Consequent to that we have then refined that and refined the questions that we ask and now we've made that internet based we found that there were discs that registrars, even quite junior registrars, could do quite well, registrars, trainees in, our, in, in your balance, and they had clearly defined margins and clearly defined characteristics which, which could be um, taught relatively easily. What happened in the course of this was we found characteristics in, in discs that made them harder and they had a much bigger spread in, in the results. Uh, until such times there, there were some that, that registrars didn't get at all, in spite of the fact that they were clearly glaucomas. We characterised those, unfortunately, it, it's, it's like the, um, the, the Tolstoy happy family. There are, you know, there are lots of reasons why you muck it up. There's only a few reasons why you get it right, at least to start with. So of the things that certainly affected um, registrars' ability to, to pick them up, and sometimes consultants, was a relatively shallow cup certainly take a lot of interest in uh, in the depth of the cup in clinical practice uh, potentially more than it's 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 importance really is certainly when we put this on the net as a somewhat of a side the first thing that people asked us for was a, was a stereo version which really the only value is to tell tell the depth of the cup um, the depth of the cup is valuable but and my argument to that is that in many times, we have to look look at discs through undilated pupils. We get, if full, not full stereo, certainly only very partial stereo, perhaps even mono in those circumstances. And it's important that we can differentiate depth or cut parameters with really monocular cues, right. I think. So because this sometimes is sometimes we are stuck where the direct ophthalmoscope will give yeah. us the better magnification. Yeah. So I think we, 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 we recognise that unfortunately we live in an imperfect world and sometimes you have to do that. 
So we found that there were shallow cups. We found that there were areas where there was issues of colour and contour, and I know those terms are somewhat old-fashioned, but where colour and contour didn't kind of quite meet, and where you had to follow a vessel really to, to see the contour properly. And you missed. We characterised errors in, in people's assessment in terms of uh, the outside of the disc and the inside of the disc. So they either missed the outside stuff, so they just didn't get the scleral ring in the right place, uh, misinterpreted peripillary atrophy, or perhaps didn't quite understand where the tilt was or the part of the ring got buried, in, in, in particularly in tilted cases. They also sometimes had problems in determining, particularly where there was a sloping lamina cribrosa or there was an area which notched without a lot of evidence that that, that, that was often missed without, and they needed to increase the level of scrutiny for those things and know, know what to, to look for. They did quite well on things like disc hemorrhage, though we had the, the number of disc hemorrhages we had in the series was relatively small, and I suspect that if we went for more subtle disc hemorrhages, a number, number of them would be missed. Yeah. And some of those capturing your blood vessel uh, add-on yeah, 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 yeah. Well, positive and negative errors in that regard. So we we now have decided that we can get this out there. We can make it work. We have some some good uh, computer guys who, who work with us, and it's now on the net. We've had over 200 people internationally run through it, so it's it's really got a bit of traction, which is which is fun. Um, and it's interesting the way it works on the net. It's not just a a PowerPoint presentation—it's really interactive. Yeah, yeah. That. Well, the, the one thing that we found is is that you need immediate interaction. But the limited thing—I I was going to tell you about education, but of course I'm now in a position of, 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 of having to watch my words. But my understanding of these things, particularly to people who are educated observers or experienced observers, even if they're not educated, is that to change their perception, to change the way they do something. You first have to, to create in them an understanding they're doing it imperfectly. You have to create ignorance, if you like, or at least an understanding of what they're missing. So we deliberately chose, out of 2,500 discs that I had of reasonable quality, chose 42, that some of which were quite challenging. And the aim was really to create in the, in the person running the test, going through the test, a sense that perhaps they didn't didn't actually know everything. You know, that, that they've actually we we opened a hole of ignorance that we hope to fill with with some information. Unfortunately, with this being internet based, people are getting to do this in the comfort of their own homes. In the privacy of their own homes. That's exactly. By some staff <laughs> well, that's exactly right. And and also they 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 have to do a lot of them. So some of it becomes um, it be, it becomes a system. One of the things we found with our registrars, thing as I mentioned before, is that just by doing a lot. In sport, I think the, the, the statement is that uh, hard work makes up for lack of talent. I think if you just keep practicing, you end up getting good at it. And in fact, I think what differentiates glaucoma doctors in disc analysis from non-glaucoma doctors is one, we've seen a lot, but two, we've had the opportunity to have a lot of feedback on it. You know, when, when I was training, I, I was involved in the glaucoma inheritance study, which, which was, you know, we found the first gene, the GLC1A, and we had to trawl through 5,000 disc photographs with three masked observers to, to it all. And we, we had to be within 0.1. We had, we had to 
all be right. And I think just the volume of doing that makes you better. And 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 I don't think I have any particular innate skill. I think it's just that I've seen thousands of photographs and, and seen now thousands of patients. And I think that makes you better at it. I think there are people who, who have seen a lot of patients but haven't had a lot of feedback. And so the, the instantaneous feedback ended up being a very critical part of the learning process. More than just yes or no, the instantaneous feedback had to be also about what component were errors. So we've asked people effectively 10 questions in the GOM project. Um, four is around the outside, so it's disk size, it's pericular atrophy, it's shape, it's tilt. There's inside things, also so-called inside things, cup disk ratio, depth. Um, there are two con confirmatory factors, which is nerve fibre layer and hemorrhage. And then there's really one, which is the, the golden question, how likely do you think this disc is for glaucoma, in the absence of having any other information, which we realise is a completely artificial environment. But if you... If but, you a, accept, but a very important exercise yeah, to get good at yeah. looking at the disc. If you accept that, that half of people with glaucoma are undiagnosed, I think that statistic is reasonably valid. If you accept that half of people present with normal pressures, that means people will walk into your office for blepharitis, for whatever else, be quite unaware that they have this disease, and the only piece of information you will get that will be positive will be to look at their disc, and usually in an undilated setting. So we have to improve the screening, ophthalmologists and optometrists, at least in our country, to pick this up without the need, without the use of, of HRTs, without the use of machinery, without the use of all of other things. So it was really a public health initiative. One of the people we have working with us now is, is a, a lady called Lani Guria, who's, who's from Mexico City. She uh, is, is, is absolutely terrific, and she has a strong desire to, to get into teaching in the, the Mexico uh, teaching system. And the other person we work, work with at the moment is George Kong, who's a, a PhD student in Jonathan Croson's lab, who, who is a great computer guy who just loves them, putting it all together. And now, what sort of feedback does the, the trainee get when they go through these images on the web? Well, there are two forms of train, uh, feedback, and we're in a little bit of a transition phase. The first form of feedback was kind of yes or no. Did you get it right? We recognise that all of these patients are my patients. I know them well, and I can tell you whether they have or don't have glaucoma, but that isn't quite the question really. In other words, we have wrestled with this question of whether or not we should know the answer and therefore say you have done it correctly or incorrectly, or take the aggregate of people who are highly educated in the area, so we have 25 glaucoma specialists who have gone through it, and say this is what they said. And I think that we'll probably run to an aggregate a little bit of the two. So I think what we have at the moment and what is what, what feedback um, trainees get when they go through the process or, or consultants get through is, is a comparator to that group of, of glaucoma specialists who have you know, given their, their opinion on all 10 characteristics. And I think both are valid. You know, it may be that I know the patient clinically has glaucoma, but it, it doesn't, that may not, particularly if it's pre may not 
necessarily be reflected on the disc examination. I think both of them have validity. I think if the patient has a disc, um, a subtle disc change and has a field defect, that's something we'll certainly uh, bring to the attention. And then we're in the process of giving feedback to the glaucoma consultant, obviously very gently, on, on those discs that, that may have been more contentious, may have had a greater spread, and, and offering them some information about, more information about the patient. And, and perhaps asking them to re-evaluate re the model they've found. So it's a it's a process. It's it's not um, uh, it's a labour of love. It's quite it's quite time consuming. Um, and and I think well, if you were to try to do something, I suppose that reduced the amount of of preventable blindness in the world, being able to you know, to, to, to go somewhere and, and work where there's high levels of blindness and perhaps offer your personal services is one thing, but to be able to educate in a, in a free and, you know, an interactive and meaningful way, I think, is, is, is may well be quite an advantage. Yeah. So I hope we can... Potentially educate thousands of people yeah. around the world. Yeah, and if we can just improve... And they'll it. all be helping people. Yeah, you know, so... And it, it's a... We hope that it will... Kind of people will will come to us with sort of ideas or come to me with ideas and say, oh, look, you know, and, and, and Jamie Brandt, uh, who, who I caught up with at the meeting, you know, has had this thing that he wanted to do for, for years and Jonathan Croston has, has uh, decided that, you know, he really wants to, to have a look at the difference between inherited optic neuropathies and glaucomas optic neuropathy in masked fashion. You know, I think that they're all great things and they're all going to be in there and so it's certainly a project that I think will, will blossom with time. But right. well, speaking of that, just before the show, you were mentioning the Gone 2.0 and the sort of feedback that will be provided with that. Yeah, Gone Gone 2.0 um, is is uh, aimed more squarely at, at trainees. Um, it's not. It, we, we're pitching a little bit more clearly at, at, at certain levels. What will come from that is, again, instantaneous feedback, but certainly in, the, in this era of having high demands on, on continuing medical education and, and, the, and the accreditation process, what will happen is that you will be offered some, a series of discs to go through in an area that perhaps you didn't do as well, and you'll go through just that characteristic. So, for instance, if your assessment of disc size seems to be at odds with, you know, with either the measured one or with the aggregated scores from the glaucoma consultants, then you will be offered uh, a series of, of images to go through and just do the disc size on. So you really focus on just that characteristic and then we'll come back and retest on, on that, which I hope reasonably accords with education yeah. principles. That's wonderful. <laughs> so that's the, that's, that's the process at the moment. But there are lots of things you could do and, for instance, you could draw on on discs and you know you can get people to outline. I spoke to Claude Burgoyne at the meeting and he's really very um, happy to to you know because uh, I mean his his work is so masterful and so engaging and so amazing that I think unless we combine some intimate understanding of the structure of an optic nerve from yeah. from his work then his we have, work is it's really three dimensional analysis yeah. and it's really helping to explain what we're looking at. Yeah. So it, it, I think that it would um, you know, and those sorts of things will add weight. So 
it's not exactly a, a Wikipedia idea, but it's kind of meant to be fairly open and 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 uh, and collaborative, and and uh, that's certainly um, how we're running at the moment. That's great. So our listeners could access this at www.gone/project.com. Yeah, dash project actually. Yes. Yeah, G O N E uh, dash project P R I G E T dot dot com. Great. And uh, and run through it. Great. Good. Thank you so much for no being worries. here today. Talking About Glaucoma is produced twice each month by Dr. Robert Scherzer, Director of the West Coast Glaucoma Center in Vancouver, British Columbia, and Clinical Associate Professor of Ophthalmology and Visual Sciences at the University of British Columbia. Please send comments or suggestions to podcast at iguy.org. That's podcast at iguy.org. Also, check out our website at westcoastglaucoma.com.